Amen. Man, worship's been good this morning. It's good to be back with you guys. Uh, my name is uh, Joe Novak. I am a pastor here on staff. Um, I'm the discipleship pastor and super excited to be in front of you uh, preaching this morning and bringing God's word. So I want to talk real quick. Uh, schedule. It is a new year, and I oversee community groups here at Mission View Church. And we have, I think it's 17 or 18 community groups, which are awesome and all thriving and growing, and we hope to have more next year. Um, just so you know, my wife and I love our community group. It's the place where we learn about God's Word, we grow together, we share all the one another's in our group. I was at the, the senior community group uh, for their Christmas party a little while ago, and it was just a blast to be with them, and so much fun to be with them, and all the wisdom that they get to share with one another. They're excited about 2022, and all the exciting things that our church has. Um, and January 9th, starting next Sunday, community groups are starting to gather again, right? And again, this year in our church is really exciting. So um, if you're not in a community group, I highly recommend you get in one because there's things happening behind the scenes in our church that um, if you're not in a community group, you might not even find out about. So uh, come check it out. Um, it's, a, it's the place to be. It'll be fun. So that's January 9th, uh, this Sunday. That's when they start. If you're not in one, check it out on the website, missionviewchurch.org, and you can get in one. So with that, we are in the middle of a teaching series. I know we're starting a new year, and I'm saying we're in the middle of the one because we started it last fall. We started this teaching series called Launch, okay? It's in the Gospel of Mark. We're in Mark chapter 1, and this is week number 3 of a four-week series. So I'm going to kind of quickly review where we've been, okay? So basically, the Gospel of Mark is written to uh, a Greek and Roman world, people who are wondering who Jesus is, right? Everyone's questioning, who is this Jesus we've heard a little bit about? Um, he's starting to do some miracles. Who is this guy? Oh, this guy was born, right? All these things. Um, and he was prophesied to be the Messiah, the Savior, right? And so there's already rumblings, right? There's rumblings of who this Jesus character is, but a lot of people don't know who Jesus is. And so after his death and things like that, and in the Roman world, Mark... The guy named John Mark, as we hear from Luke, his, his, real, his first name is John Mark. There's other Johns, so they call, he goes by Mark. The Gospel of Mark is written to this kind of world, a world that is wondering who Jesus is. They've heard that this man died and resurrected from the dead, so there's like, who is this guy? Well, now we're going to start finding out who he is. Who is Jesus? What does it mean to say that Jesus has power and how should we respond to who Jesus is? This is kind of what we're going to be learning about this morning. So, as we study Jesus' beginning of ministry, this is his story of how he launches his ministry. Kind of in the context of the story, people are also wondering who is this Jesus, right? He's already done a couple miracles, right? We know the water into wine miracle. He's already done some other miracles of healings. And so things are starting to happen, and he's in this region around the Sea of Galilee, and rumors are starting to spread about him. Okay, so I want to tell you what we're going to learn today from the passage, and then we're going to go and read it and study it together. This is what we're going to learn today, okay? So if, if, you, if you are a note taker, write the sentence down. It'll come up again later, but if you're a note taker, this is what you'll want to have written down because it's kind of the thesis of what we're going to learn. So respond to Jesus' power by sharing what he's done, by serving, and guiding others to him. 
We are to respond to Jesus' power by sharing what he's done, serving and guiding others to him. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Mark chapter 1, and while you do so, I'm going to go ahead and pray. Lord God, we come before you just excited to hear from your word, excited that we get to begin a new year seeking what you call us to, seeking, Lord, to serve you, seeking to guide others to you. Lord, help us do that even today as we uh, think about what's for lunch um, and start to experience other people in our lives, even in our families. Help us, Lord, to serve them, to love them, and to care for them. And this morning as we dive into your word, may it fill us and encourage us for a week full of fruitfulness for your kingdom. It's in your son Jesus Christ's name that we pray. Amen. All right, we're in Mark chapter 1. I'm going to start reading in verse 21. And they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority, and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. All right, the story starts with the word they. Well, who is Mark talking about when he says they went into Capernaum? You know, he's talking about Jesus, Andrew, John, James, the sons of Zebedee, and also Simon Peter, okay? These are the people that Jesus has already touched and said, hey, come follow me. Right? And so those people are living in Capernaum, the disciples, the first ones that he calls. They're living in Capernaum running a fishing business. Right? They're originally from Bethsaida, which is around the Sea of Galilee. And they moved to Capernaum because Capernaum had more opportunity for their business to grow. So these are businessmen doing a pretty good job with their fishing business. Right? But they leave all of that. And just because Jesus says, hey, come follow me, they drop all their fishing business and what do they do? They follow this new Jesus, the rabbi, that they don't know much about. All they know is that it's an honor to follow this rabbi. And they went and they did it. All right, and so they go back to Capernaum, right? And what do they do? Well, it's the Sabbath day. So they do what every other good Jewish believer, what a Jewish person would do. They would go to the synagogue on the Sabbath day. And they would learn about God's word. And at synagogue, that is when all the people, they will teach and preach God's word. And everyone there would hear from the scriptures, right? This is the Old Testament, what we call the Old Testament. They would hear from the prophets, from the book of Moses, the Torah. And they would teach and preach God's word in the synagogue. That's what happened there. And it, this is I, a little side note. I thought this was very interesting, and I, I felt like I wanted to share um, because it kind of has to do with community groups, too. Synagogue, I, I was just thinking about it this week. A synagogue is almost like the closest thing that we see uh, in our church today is like a community group, kind of like that. Because what they do is they go there, someone kind of 
teaches or shares and like leads the time. And then they discuss and ask questions. And that's what we do in our community groups, right? We, we open God's word and we discuss and ask questions. And uh, the, the synagogue in the New Testament is not something that was founded for the Hebrews way back in the Torah. The synagogue was actually a tradition that started when they moved to Babylon in the 6th century, right? We just studied this past summer all the book of Daniel and all that, right? And we know that uh, the Jews were exiled out of Israel, taken to Babylon. And in Babylon, they were there for 70 years in captivity. That is where the Jews started this practice of going to synagogue on the Sabbath. Because they didn't have any other temple worship or sacrificial system where they can do these things. So they would talk about God's word and remember who God was at synagogue. And then they would go back throughout their weeks. And then when they came back to Israel, they were sent back to rebuild the temple, the synagogue tradition stayed. And for, you know, when Jesus came, that was the main place that people that didn't live in Jerusalem went to worship God was in the synagogue. And I just thought that was totally crazy because we see nothing in the Bible really that looks like our community groups besides like a synagogue type of thing. So I wanted to do that quick side note because, yeah, I'm just excited about community groups. I guess that's why. So <laughs> that's a synagogue. So Jesus, right, he's been doing miracles and word is spreading about him. And what would happen because of this, because the, the Jews are hearing about this man named Jesus and hearing about him, and they're, they're like, okay, who's this guy? We want to know more about him. What they did is they invited him to the synagogue to teach them. This would be a normal thing because in synagogue, they're always looking for new teachers and new expositors of the Old Testament and the prophecies. So Jesus would go, and in verse 22, he begins to teach, and this is how Mark tells us he was teaching. They were astonished at his teaching. For he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. Right, so when Jesus was teaching, his teaching was powerful. It was amazing. It was something that they were like, wow, we've never heard someone teach this way before. Right, and so what kind of characteristic did his teaching have? Well, Jesus taught with conviction and extreme clarity. Right, when he spoke, it was like, oh my goodness. That makes a lot of sense. And that is the way Jesus would teach, with clarity and conviction. But check out this response. Because honestly, when, when I come up here and teach and preach, the response I expect is that there's encouragement, the church is built up, we go throughout our weeks serving God. You know, those are the responses I expect when I'm up here in the pulpit, right? And now Jesus, teaching in a synagogue, Look at what happens in verse 23. And immediately there was in the synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, What have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. That is definitely an unexpected response, for sure. Right? This man just stands up and is, says, who are you? You know, I, I can imagine the tone in his voice, just like this evil, demonic type of tone. Like, who are you? The Holy One of God, I know who you are. Kind of gives me the chills every time I read it. But look what happens, right? 
Jesus, in his response, then rebukes the spirit. Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of the man. Wow. Wow. Jesus, with all his authority and power, is expressing his dominion over the spiritual realm. Right? The demon was right. This is the Holy One of God, the God, the creator of everything, the creator of the universe, the creator of us. And he's expressing his power over the demonic realm, the heavenly realm. He has ultimate power in all these areas. And he says, just come out of that man. Free him. Set him free. That's a lot of power. I was talking to my wife uh, this week about this passage. We were kind of in quarantine together. Um, so I ended up talking about this with her quite a bit. And she's like, oh, you know, that, this reminds me of the story in Acts 19. My wife is a tremendous Bible scholar, if you didn't know that. You know, she's like, Acts 19, it reminds me of that story of when these, these guys, they were called the sons of Sceva, they went and in the early church and they were trying to exercise a demon out of someone. And, you know, I went and read the story again after she mentioned it because it didn't come to my mind. But I was like, oh, yeah, I've read this before. Uh, but, you know, so they tried to exercise this demon out of somebody in the early church. And the demon, you know what the demon responds to these sons of Sceva? He says... I know Jesus, and I know Paul, but who are you? So it just goes to show you, I don't know if exercising demons out of people today is something that we're called to do. I don't think it is. In Scripture, I don't see any clear commands to exercise demons out of people. And in fact, other early Christians tried to do it like Jesus and the apostles did but they couldn't do it, right? The demon said, who are you? I know, I know Jesus, and I know the apostle Paul. They, they can exercise demons, right? They have power over the spiritual realm, unlike we do today. They have it. They still have it. We don't necessarily, right? So let's keep reading, because there is a response here that we are called to. I don't think it's exorcism, right? This is like a popular idea in our culture today with movies and things like that. I don't think that's what we're called to. I don't think we should have an exorcism ministry today. That is not what Mission View is going to do. But there is a response that we are called to. Let's keep reading in verse 27. They were all amazed so that they questioned among themselves saying, what is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once, his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding of region of Galilee. So what are we called to do? We are called to talk about it. We are called to lead other, or I'm sorry, point number one, share with others what Jesus has done. That's what we're called to. We want to make the name of Jesus famous. So when we see God's power in our lives, what should we do? We talk about it. So the most common way Christians say, like, talk about what Jesus has done in their lives is called a testimony. 
People talk about sharing their testimony all the time. In fact, I encourage our community groups and the people in our community groups to share their testimonies with one another. That's how you practice the one another's. You have to seek an understanding of, of what God has done in each other's lives in order to really serve each other well, to care for one another. And here's another thing. God has done something specific in all of us. What has he done? He saved you. Saved you from what? He saved you from your sin. Right? So when we share our stories and our testimonies, all of our stories are actually the same. They're the same. When we share, our stories are, are about Jesus. Because Jesus recognizes that we are sinful people. Jesus recognizes that he loves us. And he recognizes that we must surrender to him and, and have faith in him and believe in him, both in our mind and in our hearts, so that we can go to heaven and be eternally with him in the presence of the Father. That story for you and me is exactly the same. Now, it is different and unique in every individual here in this room too. Because the detail of how God saves you, yes, that's the same, but the details of when it plays out in your life is totally different. Right? For me, when I was in college, it, it wasn't until then that I recognized, whoa, I'm a sinful person, and I need help, and Jesus needs to save me and change me. I recognized that when I was in college. So what do I talk about? I talk about college when I share my testimony. I end up talking about, you know, when I was in high school and then went to college at the University of Akron and then so on and so forth. Some of you might have stories that, that begin maybe in youth group, right? And you start your story there and you talk about how you realize, wow, when I was in school, I really cared all about what other people thought of me. But then Jesus, right? And so the details of our stories are absolutely different. But the core message is exactly the same. Right? And so when we talk about our testimonies and we, when we share them with one another, and when we share them outside of this space, outside of our community groups, in the community, our goal should be to present the gospel to people. That's why God gives us a testimony. And that's what we should be doing when we respond to Jesus' power and witness in our lives. We share our testimonies in this way. So that's point number one. Just to review real quick, point number one was respond to Jesus' power by sharing what he has done through your testimony. That's point one. Point two, we're going to start reading in verse 29. And immediately... He left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now, Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So in point one, we saw Jesus exercise his godly power over, the, over a demon. The demon saw Jesus, recognized who Jesus was, and what did the demon do? Fled. Left, screamed, running. Because he recognized how powerful Jesus was. That's what the demon did. Now, 
Jesus goes to Simon's house and sees his mother-in-law who has this high fever. I, I did a little bit of study into what kind of sickness this was. I guess she was like deathly ill. She had an infection in her body that was giving her this high fever and she was close to death. And Jesus walks in that room. Normally, a person, when, when you enter someone's house in this culture, that person would always get up and go say hi or, or visit and start serving their guests. Well, she couldn't do that. She was so sick, she was laying in her bed and could not even greet her new guest. And Jesus goes into that room, and what does he do? He exercises power over disease. Jesus has power over disease. He has ultimate power over everything that's physical. Right? So Jesus has ultimate spiritual power, more powerful and exercises dominion over everything that's spiritual, and he has power over everything that's physical. All of it. He's showing us that right now. He's showing this, us that through these stories. Remember, Jesus is launching his ministry, and there's a reason why Mark hones in on these two stories and decides to share them. Because one, it's all in one day. It's all in this, this Sabbath day. And he's like, I need you guys to know, Jesus has power over every demonic and spiritual realm. And Jesus has power over everything that's physical, all of creation, even disease and death. This is who Jesus is. But take a look at that, this response, right? Because today we're, we're, we're marking down every time we see people respond to who Jesus is. And look what Simon's mother-in-law does. Verse 31. And he came and took her by the hand, lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. So immediately, or I'm sorry, serve him. So immediately, she gets up, and she serves Jesus. So, how should we respond? We should respond to Jesus' power by serving him. We must serve him. My mind, Jen and I, my wife and I, were talking about this point for quite a bit, even this morning. And we were just chatting about it. And My mind kept jumping to consumerism. So many times today, in, us in America, Christians, Americans, we are blessed with physical possessions beyond our needs. We have nice cars. We have nice houses. We have nice games. We have virtual reality things that we can escape into. I got an Oculus for Christmas, and I'm like, man, the physical things that I have are way beyond I, what I need. Way beyond. Way, way beyond. But how do we respond with everything that we have that's physical? The money that we have. How do we respond? How are we called to respond? Well, so many times we respond by seeking to serve ourselves. I don't think that's the right response. We're not called to serve ourselves we're called to serve Jesus with everything that's physical in our lives. Right? We even talk about stewardship all the time. We say, whose money is it? It's not yours. It's 
God's. It's God's money, and we just wield it for his glory. And he gives it to us to manage for him. Right? And so everything that's physical that we are given, God is over all of it. He has power over all of it. He has power to take it away from us. He has power to give it to us. And guess what? He's given it to us. He's given us so many physical things, like I've been talking about, so more than we can even imagine. We have it. And what are we called to do with it? We're called to serve him. We're called to serve Jesus, not ourselves. So I I just want to leave you with this question right now, okay? Moving on from today, I want you to ask yourself this question. How can you serve Jesus with your physical possessions? How can you serve Jesus more in 2022 with your physical possessions? How can you do that? Remember, it's his. So ask yourself that question. I want you to leave here today thinking about that. All right, so point number one and two both taught us that Jesus has power. Power over the spiritual realm and power over everything physical, all of creation. And we're to respond like the people in the stories respond. So I want to read uh, verse 32 here, and we'll get to our third point. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. And the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. So we're called to respond to Jesus' power by guiding others to him. That's what they did here. Right? So after he started exercising demons out of people and healing the sick and exercising his power over disease... He started doing all these things. What happened? His disciples and everyone who's been touched and seen and witnessed his power, they all brought others to experience him. They all wanted to experience what they experienced with Jesus Christ. Now, Mission View Church, what do you do when you experience Jesus' power? What did you do when you first became a Christian? Did you share that story with others? Did you go home and tell your parents? What did you do? Because guess what? We are called and we should respond in a way where it's like, come, come see who this Jesus is. Come. And they didn't just, you know, tell people to go or call them up on the phone. No, they literally guided people. They said, come I'm going to walk to your house, I'm going to grab you by the hand, and we're going to go see who this Jesus is together because I want you to be healed, brother. Those are the types of ways that they responded to Jesus' power. They guided and brought other people to them, right? Jesus has the power, and he builds the momentum. And he does that here with Mission View Church, right? We minister, and he has the power, and he starts building this excitement for everything that he does, we see it and we experience it and we're like, oh my gosh, yes! What are we called to do, church? We're called to guide others to his power. Now, I 
I have a very specific way that we can do this here at Mission View because we literally have a structured and organized ministry for this. We launched it last year. We called it, we call it Reflect Ministry. And what Reflect Ministry does is once a month, we have an outreach event where we do something for our community because there is a power here that Jesus has brought, a healing here that Jesus has brought, a power that is so exciting that we want everybody in North Canton to experience it, right? And so Reflect Ministry holds an event once a month. This month on January 16th, right out here after church in the commons, we're actually going to be putting some, uh, I think it's some bags together for people in our community. Our call is to just bless people in our community, bless workers in our community, bless people in our community. We're going to put these bags together on January 16th, which is like in two weeks. And then the, the week after that, January 23rd, we're going to take bags home and we're going to take them to people in the community. And we're going to tell them, hey, come to Mission View Church. Come experience the power of Jesus over everything that's physical. Don't, don't chain yourself to consumerism. Don't chain yourself to success and power and money and everything that's evil in the world. No. Chain yourself to Jesus. Surrender yourself and be a slave to him. Because that is where excitement and healing and power and life come from. All right, so if you've heard me say nothing else this morning, I want you to hear me say this. We are called to respond to Jesus' power by sharing what he's done, serving, and guiding others to Jesus, the person himself. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your healing. Thank you for your spiritual power that's in our hearts because of belief in you. Thank you for the spirit that guides us to lead others to you. We love you, Lord. And Lord, in 2022, we just ask that we surrender ourselves to you on a daily basis. We ask for opportunities to share who you are with other people. And as these people uh, get to hear our testimonies and our stories, may they be encouraged, may they be built up, and may they come to worship you, even if it's not at Mission View Church, but somewhere in a church, in a local church that longs to serve you and do your mission work across the globe. We ask all these things in your name.